we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Did we talk last time about how uh, they replaced J.J. Abrams, or J.J. Abrams isn't going to direct Star Trek 3, and now it's Justin Lin? No, we didn't, because you you haven't squeed about that yet. I'm so happy. Yeah, you haven't. I did see it on Facebook, I have hope, because of your love of Justin Lin. I have hope. I I, I think it'll be fine, actually. You know, and that's the thing that I said before. I said this on Facebook, too, that like I like Justin Lin's directorial prowess, Mm. because I feel like Justin Lin can take... (laughs) <laughs> what is ostensibly a bad script and mm-hmm. make a good movie out of it. Like, yeah. like I really, really like... One of my favorite action movies of all time is Fast Five. And I I think that Justin Lin's run on the Fast and the Furious movies are, are the best of the series by far. Like is they, that the they one take, in Rio? Yeah, that's okay. one of the, with yeah. the where they're dragging the safe through at the end. That's the heist <laughs> movie, basically. Yeah. Um, Fast Six, <laughs> script-wise is horrendous mm. but because of Justin Lin's direction I really 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 enjoy that movie it's it's but I have to qualify it right yeah. I have to be like yeah this is dumb it's got a 37 mile runway and a and a plane that that never takes off and it's kind of in that instance it's kind of dumb highway. yeah and it's well the tank on the highway is kind of cool but the <laughs> But the the however the the Superman leap from the crashing car and then and then the how did you know there would be a car there to break our fall like what yeah a car breaks your fall in, yes. in this superhero universe <laughs> yes that and is break- and that's what I that's where I started looking at it. I'm like as of Fast Six these are now superhero movies oh yeah with okay that's people who superheroes yeah. whose superpowers are all generated around cars right. Okay. I love um, the fact that Michelle Rodriguez went out. She opted out on one, Fast Fast Five. She was she no, died at the end of Fast Four. Oh, she did. Okay, so she died, quote unquote. At the oh end of Fast no, four. they are a superhero or, movie. If she's come back to life, yeah, not at the life. end of. It was in the. It was like the the plot line of Fast Four was that she had been murdered, and they were trying to infiltrate the drug cartel um, that was responsible for her murder. Okay. Um, but then she comes back with amnesia, even in Fast hey. Six. But see, that's the thing. That's what Our I was saying fan. on. That's what I was saying on. They're my favorite. The Fast and Furious franchise is my favorite action movies because they are unabashed action flicks. Yeah. There, there's no, there's no pretense to them. They're not trying to be anything more than they are. They're just cars driving around and crazy fucking action and. Um, and what I was saying about turning a bad script into a decent movie started with Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift's script is awful. Oh, yeah. But Justin Lin manages to make it a watchable movie. Um, however, Star Trek Into Darkness was so bad on so many levels. It, it, the script was bad. The direction was bad. So... As much as I love Justin Lin as a director, man, they really need a better script for yeah. for Star Trek Three to make it worthwhile. They, again, back to homage versus doing your own thing. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be a large chunk of homage because it's a fucking Star Trek movie. But mm. they really need to like own it and own the like new universe yes. that they have, yes. and not because that was the huge failing of the second one. Is it tried to mirror Wrath of Khan too much? Yeah, and it's like oh, let's make the brand new universe story the same as the end of the road old universe story. It doesn't work. It it, mm-hmm. it yeah. fell on its ass and nobody cared about Kirk. Well, luckily we don't have to worry about a search for Spock in this Star <sighs> Trek 3, right? Because there, nobody actually died. Like yeah. in Star Trek 2 was supposed to be Nimoy's exit. Like he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Cle- fucking kill me. And the only reason they made Star Trek 3 was because of the fan response. Mm-hmm. But... But yeah, if they do, if they do a good script, 
I have faith in Justin Lin to do it right. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a refreshing change from Abrams, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As and and from what I've seen, I've been reading a, the little things about it, and I was looking at IMDb. It looks like they're minimizing R- Roberto Orsi's uh, influence huh. on the script, which would be a good thing yeah. because he's a Who's part that? of the. He's one of the writers um, from the from the, the first, first two one. movies, okay. and he was like a he, he was the primary scriptwriter of Star Trek Into Darkness, and he was the guy that we talked about on the show a while ago that um, started calling Star Trek fans morons because they were arguing with him, <laughs> and he was like, "I'm the one writing this movie, so you don't know shit." Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know. So I thought it was uh, Lindelof. It was both, okay. but Roberto Lindelof has his had his moment where he Lindelof was just a, a sexist asshole. Orsi was the guy that was actually like going off on fans specifically. Like and what my hope is that somebody at the studio went, Yeah, you probably don't want to piss off Trekkies. Yeah, oh my god. If there is a fan base to defeat all <laughs> other fan bases. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, like honestly, even My Little Pony fandom, I think if you had an army of My Little Pony fans and an army of Trekkies, the Trekkies would win. Yeah. 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 I, if 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 nothing uh, but yeah. sure but sheer attrition like yeah yeah um yeah the uh, that's the thing they've got this multi million dollar franchise that is based on yeah maybe bringing in some new fans but you know what actually brings in new Trek fans old Trek fans yep like so you don't want to fuck with Trek yeah. fans <laughs> so who did who did I hear that was they spent their New Year's <laughs> watching Star Trek. Like one of my friends did that. Like, oh, I just watched Star Trek. I watched Star Trek. That was, was her was earlier that okay. today. That was that me was like half an hour ago. Show. Before my coffee? It was before my coffee. <laughs> it was before yeah. your so coffee. So it doesn't exist. Time no. immemorial. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, you watched Star Trek. Yes, I did. Because okay, otherwise I was going to fall asleep before midnight. Trekkie? I would, sure. Okay. I mean, I love my, Star Trek. My, my alliance is to TNG, which I realize is yep. like it's it's may not be the pure, yeah. but it is the trek of my heart. No, that's no, that's that's what happens with the Trek fandom because we are it's of totally the next generation generation, right? I, and I know people who are like four years younger than me that DS Nine is where it's at for them. And I'm like, yeah. that's cool. I, I am, feel sorry for the inter, Enterprise Trek. Uh, yeah, nope, nope. <laughs> I am a DS Nine devotee. DS Nine is my favorite of the next generation shows, um, right. but. I am definitely a next generation or two. Christina and I, in fact, are watching through. We're watching through all of the series in a row. I, um, I love the Q episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. We watched less. the first Borg episode with Q and Guinan. Kind of so a time lord. Yep, we just finished uh, watching that episode a uh, few episodes ago, and we're we're in the in the midst of season three right now, which has you know, of course, ends with ostensibly the best two part episode Is in that the series. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, why? What so, happens there? Borg. The best of both worlds was the one where Picard gets taken by the Borg. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. They they brought in the Borg pretty early. Then the Borg were the in first? the first Q episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or the second, second Q, Q episode. episode. The first Q episode was the pilot, and it was really bad. Yeah. Encounter at Farpoint is a really, really bad episode. <laughs> but but Troy saves the day with feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just remember it's funny watching them again because I remember when they came out when I was a kid my parents were huge Trekkies uh, right they loved the original especially my dad my dad was just a hardcore loved the original series and so when Next Generation came out we were just fucking oh it was amazing right I was nine years old and my parents were all over it and we loved that show when I was a kid um, so rewatching it and, and realizing just how bad <laughs> Encounter at Farpoint really was. But you don't get the extra bonus. Well, I assume anyway, you don't get the extra bonus level that as an adult rewatching Star Trek, I got, which was like, oh, my God, when I was a child, I had a crush on Tiny Wesley Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did not have that bonus because when I was a child, I had a crush on Deanna Troy. Well. So. <laughs> Tashi what's Yar. what's really you want to maybe it's maybe it's a little a little weird that at at about season three ish was when let's see I was a I would have been twelve and had a giant crush on Beverly Crusher huh. so you know that respect right like yeah. that just says that you go for the character that's worth more of a damn not to, <laughs> not to say that Troy is totally pointless <sighs> just to put it this way played a lot of 
Star Trek pretend games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was usually one of maybe two girls. You oftentimes mm-hmm. the only girl. Maybe there was another girl. Especially if there was another girl, I would claim Crusher really quickly because you always wanted to be Crusher. You had something to do on missions. You had something really co- you had a really coherent function. You never wanted to be Troy. And thank God you never played Pulaski. Oh no, Pulaski never came into it. Yeah, no. it's Pulaski. The second season Doctor. There was a Dumb there was a behind the scenes spat between the producers and Gates McFadden, and she left the show for the second season. Yeah, and they brought on another Doctor uh, played by Diana Moldar, <laughs> who was the worst character in the show. Like I. <laughs> Rewatching it now, I have I will officially say she was worse than Wesley Crusher. Absolutely. I would take I would take Wesley Crusher over Pulaski any day of the week. Was Wesley, Wesley Crusher really bad? I mean, oh. he's just whiny and horrible. Yeah. He gets yeah. worse too. Like there's some episodes where he's episode. just a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Is him and Tasha Yar talking about like wire drugs? The bad? drug? No, yeah, but the the anti drug episode is so good, so bad, good because there is literally a five minute anti drug. Discussion that is, that it is into everything. It is a straight up like after school special. <laughs> like right. this is why was drugs he, are bad. Was he well, taking space understand. coke? But Tasha, no, no, no. He, they're just like they encounter a planet where everyone's addicted to drugs or something, and he's like, Tasha, oh. I don't understand why people would do that. And yeah. Like, well, <laughs> sometimes life is hard, and people <laughs> don't cope well. Yeah. Here, have some coffee. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It was entire planet of drug users huh something yeah. like that oh well, um but awesome. yeah it's uh it's fun I, li- I like that show a lot still and i'm watching through it and and i there are things that i didn't realize until and i started rewatching it like i th- i thought there was a lot more overlap between D- ds9 and next generation but they actually only overlapped by like half a season yeah okay um and i thought huh. that they i thought that they were like i thought it was like three seasons of yeah, overlap and like you know it. Um, and it's probably just because they brought so many next generation characters eventually, like yeah. either guest starred or you know they got they got O'Brien, O'Brien to start and then Worf becomes mm-hmm. a main character. Um, even I though that was another love one where to see Captain Worf, like, yeah, as a series that'd be great. I, I thought it was um, I thought it was funny that Michael Dorn. You know, there, I was reading interviews with Michael Dorn where he talks about like he was in the same boat with Next Generation where he didn't want to do it anymore after yeah. Next Generation. Partially because he got a skin condition from his makeup, yeah. um, and then, and then he was just like he he left Next Generation and then spent two years not being able to have a career because he was typecast, and uh-huh. then he's like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just gonna All go right. play Wharf again, <laughs> yeah, because he even he's even in Star Trek Six playing Wharf's grandfather, yeah, Wharf, <laughs> yeah. Uh... Um, well, 17 minutes in. Welcome, everybody, to episode 84 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sure. I'm uh, Luke. Uh, this is this is our Miss Marvel episode. Hi, Joel. Hi, Luke. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Hi, Ann. Oh, hi. Uh, we are going to be talking, like I said, about the Marvel Now Miss Marvel sh- uh, book, uh, the new one by G. Willow Wilson, G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. Um, we will get to that later, but we, you know, we spent the first half of the first segment talking about Star Trek, which is fine by me, because um, yeah. I don't have a hell of a lot else to talk. Or, well, Quentin Tarantino and Star Trek. I don't have a hell of a lot else to talk about, really. I haven't. <clears throat> I mean, there's not a ton of comic news that I know yeah. of. No. Happy holiday season! Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm f- really excited about Howard the Duck. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Why, why Howard the Duck? Because it's written by it's a forthcoming written by Chip Zdarsky. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and drawn yeah, yeah. by Joe Quinones. Yeah, yeah, that's Howard there. Um, Maybe some brimping in there. <laughs> Let's hope. Oh man, Zdarsky wow. uh, <laughs> drew a picture of a brimping themed roller coaster. Uh oh, what? <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, I so imagine this. So with with zero preparation and zero forethought, um, most people did their end of year best of lists, and we're you know we're an episode late for that. Oh, yeah. But um, what what were some of your favorite comics of the of 2014, Anne? Um, sometimes I have to remember what actually secretly came out in 2013. Uh, Wicked, eh, it doesn't matter. Wicked in the Divine. That's yeah. That's been rocking just because my face. just because it came. It might have started in 2013, but if it was your favorite through 2014, that's still valid. Right. I've written really like She Hulk as Marvel. Um, oh, pour one out for She Hulk. Yeah. Why is she gone? They she, canceled it. Yeah, it's twelve oh. issues and then it's done, which sucks because it was a it's a it's a great series. That sounds about right. Um, 
thing. Sex criminals, always sex criminals. Mm. Uh, that was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was 2013. But there you go. And Bitch Planet. It's going to be huge. And I love it. It's interesting. I was in my and and I feel like I have to like put out my naughty list and qualify like so yeah sex criminals and bitch planet great (laughs) let me talk. Um, I agree on bitch planet. I was in my comic shop on Wednesday and there was a large conversation going on between several people who didn't like it at all, Mm. which seems like I didn't. I mean, I I guess I can understand that. It's kind of a it is kind of niche. uh, It is, but. Uh, I loved it. I think we talked about it in the last episode. I thought it was fantastic. I read a review of somebody who didn't like it, and the reason why he didn't like it was because he, he felt like it failed to subvert anything and was just exploitative, which to me says that's the most surface reading you could possibly yeah, do. Yeah. Possibly? Mm. I mean, yeah. you, you have to pay attention to it. Yeah. But when you pay attention to it, you realize that it's... That's, that is subversion, right? Yeah. Like on the surface, it might look exploitative, but actually there's a deep undercurrent of smartness and yeah. awesome feminism. Ah. Um, I have just... Getting worked up. I love it. I've, I've just started <laughs> reading The Wicked and the Divine um, again, and, I, and I'm liking it so far. I read the first two issues, and it's it's good stuff. Um, I, st- I think Rat Queens is still... Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's it came out in 2013 and it's been out in 2014 and and um, you know there was the whole bullshit with the artist, which I'm not going to go into. But uh, but I'm excited for the new know, artist, yeah. Stepan Sedgik. Is that how his name's pronounced? Maybe. So I, it's I've really only seen it written down. Um, he his art, like I've seen some of the previews of his art. He's perfect for it. Yeah. He looks he looks like it's going to be f- fantastic. Um but yeah, Rat Queens is still one of my favorite comics, but the other one that I that I actually wanted to mention was a new one called Tooth and Claw. Hmm. Um which it's by Kurt Busiek. Oh. And I don't remember. Let me find uh the artist's name. Benjamin Dewey. <coughs> Colored of course by Jordi Belair like everything is. Yeah. Um it is a it is an interesting um, it's it, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, it's an anthropomorphic fantasy, um, s- and it's set on like all of the people in the world are are anthropomorphic, like furries, for mm. lack of a better way mm. to put it. Except like not said. yes, um, and it's really hard for me to talk about the first issue much because the first issue ends on one of the best like holy shit moments I've nice. I've ever seen. And the first issue was also 48 pages with no ads for $2.99. Holy so, God. Um, I'm going to try to find that. I don't yeah. know if it's still out there, but it's dang. It's an interesting... Um, the There's an interesting story behind it, too, because I guess there was another either comic or another property that um, they came out with the first issue, and somebody popped up and was like, hey, by the way, we already have the trademark to Tooth and Claw. And so they changed it now. So from the second issue on, it's it's called um, Autumn Lands to the Autumn Lands Tooth and Claw. Okay, which the Autumn Lands is, I guess, their world. Um, it is it is really really fantastic. Oh. It's um, I've always liked Buziak as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's his run on the first, I think it's like fifty or sixty issues of the Dark Horse Conan books, uh, where that's. That's where his name is. Yeah, from. he also wrote Astro City. Yeah. Um. And but the Conan books, he started out by, um, he adapted a bunch of, um, Howard's original Conan stories into comics with Carrie Nord, and those are some of the best. Those are the best Conan comics that have ever come out. Like just wildly fantastic. Mm. Um. And then I just started reading Alex and Ada, which how is that? It's really good it's really interesting and it's it's interesting i think because i don't i don't generally like most of luna's stuff in mm. the past like i don't like girls at all mm-hmm. Which I haven't um read. and uh but but i'm really enjoying it it's uh, that's a book that i pass on shelves and i'm like you're so attractive and you have names of sci- science yeah uh-huh. um yeah and then all my typical ones you know six gun is still fantastic and and uh sheltered is still awesome and there's all but the like tooth and claws the big one that pops up into my head as being brand new that i really 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 love what about you joel i, I actually don't have anything new it's uh it's east of west 
Oh, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, I, like I I'm said, still... it doesn't necessarily have to have started in 2014 if that's one okay. of your favorite comics. And the, it's your... the first, the the first couple issues of East to West, or the first trade was um, just kind of world building. Yeah, and so it didn't really get anywhere, and then it just hit in the second gear this year, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I haven't got um, a chance to okay, read it yet, but. Uh, all my friends have been telling me to read Black Science because it's really good. Black and Science was, is good stuff. That was this year, right? Are yep. we reading that on the podcast later? We are. Yes. Yay. It's uh, coming eventually up Eventually we'll get around to it. Didn't we already do the first trade? Did we? <laughs> because know. I wasn't. Uh, I don't remember my own show. Oh, no. God. Drama stuff. But, um, yeah, that's that's another one. So, Remender and, and um, oh, my God. It's no, right on the tip of my East brain. West, I know it. East or West Kirkman? Hickman? Hickman, no, 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 Hickman. No, 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 not no, Kirkman, no. Hickman. Yes, neither the same of guy those. that does um, Black Science is oh, Remender, Remender right? and Matteo Scalera. Ah. Yeah, no, uh, East of West, East yeah, of West, East of West is Hickman. Yes, yeah. yeah, doing his own thing. East of West is actually one of the most interesting worlds I've yeah. seen built in a comic in a long time because mm. it's one of the few times where I've looked at a world in a comic and not immediately been able to just compare it to something else and nice. just be like oh it's this it's just because like with black science I loves me some black science but mm. I immediately go oh it's like sneak or it's like sliders yeah. um, <laughs> you know because it's basically the same thing as sliders instead of it like where it's sliders or quantum leap but where they're just dimension hopping randomly because they're they have a dimension hopping device they do their first hop and the device breaks and now they can't get home so they have to randomly hop dimensions until they can find a way to get home so it's hey fucking sliders, sliders. In space. yeah and time um yeah and dimension <laughs> but east of west is definitely one of those like the 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 kind of sci-fi western fusion with the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the yeah. crazy yeah. the in crazy magic. nations that yeah. he builds yeah. uh, in it it's just like yeah it's one of my one of my favorite comics in recent memory as well that's yeah. a good one he he really did a a really good job and um that's that's about it i haven't been doing a lot of reading unfortunately this year a lot of other stuff happened yeah so. i've been reading a lot of old stuff um like right now, one of the th- I'm also reading through Lucifer because we're going to be doing it for episode ninety. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm starting it early and I'm you know reading it at a time and it's 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 pretty goddamn good so far. Damn like, right. have um, you have you read it before? No, oh, no. Oh, see, I've never. Oh, yeah, that's be- because like you read that tiny little. I'm glad that we we read, way back in the day read that little bit of Sandman that's relevant to Lucifer. Yeah, exactly. I've read that and then we read um, when we did the the short Lucifer episode, uh, which we did. A while ago, we did a short Lucifer. Yeah, episode. we did the first trade of Lucifer oh, a while my God, ago. We did. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I didn't realize until I started reading the full run that the trade that we read is was actually. I think we read the second trade because I like it better than the first one. No, I th- no, no. I think we read the first one. We read, we read the first one? one because it had the um, the Morningstar option, which was a three issue oh. mini series that came out before the main series started. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I thought that was just part of the thing because I think in the trade in trade they just include it. Yeah. They're just like here, you know, here's the Morningstar option, and then the first three issue arc of the comic book, um, which is the because it's um, the Morningstar option was the one where he uh, partners with the Native American girl to go on the like spirit quest thing. Yeah, and then the second storyline was the storyline with the deck of. The Basanos. Yeah, the Basanos uh, and the and the cabaret dancer in Germany. Um, was it Germany or was it Amsterdam? Amsterdam, maybe? Maybe. So, European know. country X. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of fucking good comics this year. Mm-hmm. 2013 and 2014, uh, total, I, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it anyway, total, like to me, renaissance of the comic yes. industry. So much so much good things and so much stuff that's finally breaking the mold of shitty superhero comics. And honestly, yeah. on all on all fronts, meaning like I've seen a ton of really exciting stuff in indie comics land and yeah. like handmade comics land. I've seen exciting stuff in uh, YA and children's comics land. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lumberjanes is and fucking fantastic, yeah. and I'm going to make you guys read it at some point. Yeah, there's it just there's just so much good stuff. <laughs> Thank you. 
so for the last couple of weeks since the last show, we have been reading the first five issues of the Marvel Now Miss Marvel comic book by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona. And I don't know who the colorist is. Does it list the colorist in there? Um, herring. Herring. Yeah, give me uh, herring. Uh, I don't know what herring's Ian first. Herring. Ian Herring. Ian. Thank you. Um, this is a a re complete reboot of the Miss Marvel character after uh, Carol Danvers gives up the Miss Marvel mantle to become Captain Marvel in Kelly Sue DeConnick's famous uh, run. Um, so they re- have completely rebooted the character with uh, a girl named Kamala Khan, um, who is just fucking fantastic. Um, it is very much a modern day Spider-Man retelling um, in all the best ways. Uh, So I I do want to start, I do want to start by talking about the obvious topic, which is, um, Irma Gerd, it's not a sort of proletarian white kid. Right. <laughs> Irma Gerd diversity. Irma Gerd yeah. diversity. Diversity. She is still sort of proletarian, but in this case, she is from Jersey City. She's Pakistani American and she's Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very traditional Muslim family. Uh, and I love it. I love. So the reason why I want to bring this up and talk about it is because I am a, a, a fucking old white guy. And. Um, one of the things that like there's been a lot of discussion over the over 2014 about diversity in comics and um it started in 2013 i think with miles morales was the mm-hmm. big one that started the the thrust of wanting you know non-white cis male characters in who are like canon yeah right, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also the main character yes so um i I've seen this discussion not only happen in in comics, but also in um, the book world, because in writing my book and trying to get involved in the sci-fi fantasy community, there's the same kind of discussion going on. Yep. Um, and the, the thing that always pops up when this discussion starts is... Um, one, on one side of the coin, you have entire underrepresented group, underrepresented groups of society that have no nobody to identify with in in the stuff that they read and the media they consume. Mm. And on the other side, you have a bunch of idiot, uh, idiot people who go on and on about how it's all just political correctness and and <laughs> um, how well, you know, what if. I don't even know. I don't even know how to get in the headspace of people who like, bitch about diversity and what stuff. What the counter argument is? Yeah. Um, I think the counter argument is I shouldn't have to think at all outside of my own experience, right. and assume, I assume that everyone else has literally my same experience. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and one of the things that aggravates me about that discussion is that the whole reason why I engage in fantastical media is to step outside of my own experience. <laughs> yep. Right, which is yep. something that that I feel like. I mean, I under. I understand that this is a, a, a different opinion than most people have, but I think that's the point. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, and that's one of the things that I really loved about this book. It's, and it's not just like, um, I've made a kind of a concerted push. Uh, I've been reading a lot of fantasy lately because I've been reading a lot of books that I want to catch up on. But in part of that push, I've also been trying to um, step into uh, authors that, that are outside my, t- you know, typical um, European style fantasy and, and that kind of thing. So nice. I've, I've been like we were talking before. I was reading N.K. Jemison's. I'm reading N.K. Jemison's new book. So I'm trying to at least find a lot more books, especially in the genres that I like, which are sci-fi and fantasy, uh, by people of color and female authors. And Ooh. you know, that's mm-hmm. it's like I read. Um, uh, ancillary justice, which is just fan fucking tastic sci-fi book by Anne Leckie. Um, but one of the things that, that I loved so much about this book was that it introduced me to a community that I don't know much about mm. in a way that was not, you know, Fox news bitching about <laughs> terrorists. Right. Yeah. So, um, but that's like, it's, it's the consummate, experience from reading a fantastical book is learning something you know stepping outside what i'm used to and learning something new and this not only gave me a like in two folds it gave me a culture that i'm not exposed to very often and 
frankly, a type of superhero story that is so wildly different <laughs> from just about everything yeah. else that Marvel puts out mm-hmm. that I got it. I got it from two angles, and I. I I, I took it from two angles and loved every minute of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. I can still Wait turn anything into a dick joke. Hey. Wow. Finger cuffs. Um, <laughs> so the one, thing, the one thing that I enjoyed is the fact that they take something that is completely foreign, a different religion, a different culture and everything, and then make you see that they're not so different than exactly. who you are. You know, uh, because instead of Peter Parker being the nerd and the outcast, um, Which Kamala. I think was very apropos in the you know in its day yeah, in yeah. its yeah. day for the audience that it was intended to reach. Yeah, yeah. Where where Kamala Khan is being instead of being picked on as a nerd, she's being picked on as as a Muslim, mm-hmm. right? And so she goes to that party, and the jocks pick on her just because she shows up, and they think her family's so much different. It's not it's that like much different than Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah, being picked yeah. on by Flash, uh, Flash, Flash Thompson, Flash Thompson. There <laughs> well, you yeah, it's Flash it's. Gordon, it's what? Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazingly uh, obvious way to show that kids in general just deal with the same shit no matter what walk of life you're from. You yeah. know, eventually there's a every every kid has their own reasons why they are, you know, an outcast. Yeah. And and that's um it it takes I, I yeah. I agree yeah. with you. I was I, I had a point that I was going to make, no. but then I just lost okay. all so, my so ability. Let me go. To talk. So there's one thing that I really enjoyed was the father also, yeah. because yes. they have the brother in there and he's super ultra religious, and the father comes up and is like, "Would you stop praying? You know, would you just <laughs> get a job?" I kind of love that. That's like his rebellion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And somewhat the sister, her older sisters. Yeah, too. they're they're like, being they're, he's they're being like, ultra religious, but that's a choice. It's not that they're being forced into it or that every one of them is like that. It's they're like just no. being super orthodox. Yeah. You exactly, know. it's a, a choice of the matter, and make, and it brings to light that people are different, right? Mm-hmm. They don't; they're not just stereotypes and little stencils that people fit into. I mean, that's the best thing about Kamala Khan when she was first announced. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, Muslim yeah. character cannot yeah. brain explode!" But at the same time, she. <laughs> Uh, she's like such a well-rounded person with a family and mm-hmm. uh, like I love watching her try to struggle and balance like her friend groups, her s- dumbass enemy groups, her family, her religion, her polymorphic superhero abilities. Yeah. Hey. yeah. And and the fact that the first thing she she gets when she gets her super abilities is become she she becomes blonde and tall and and she turns sexy into, clothes. into the Ms. Marvel, the Carol Danvers exactly. Version. And it's like, wait, and you know what? I don't actually want yes. to be like this. And that is my favorite part of this opening run of this comic book is that the superhero fights and battles and enemies are extremely secondary to her own personal journey about kind of realizing with with her hyper fandom of superheroes and mm. she write you know she writes avengers fanfic <laughs> on the net <laughs> and fanfic? <clears throat> fanfic what is this um like she learns through this experience that like she, you know the the lesson that w- that we always want to see the superheroes learn is that she doesn't sh- she she loves these characters but doesn't want to be somebody that's somebody else she wants to be her own version of it mm. and has to has to figure that out and yeah. figure out because um, for those of you who haven't read the book, um, her superpowers are goofball. To be honest, they get the what happens. Her origin story is that the that Jersey City or New York as a whole gets attacked by a, 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 a terrigen terrigen mists. It's okay. The same, yeah. it's a terrigen attack, which is the same mists that form that that form the superheroes inhumans. and the Inhumans. Yeah. Um, and the the ability that she comes out with is basically to become a shapeshifter. Um, they call it polymorph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means she can basically change size and density um, and she can do that for like specific body parts yeah. as well as like the whole um, there's like scenes of her catching things with a giant hand. Right. Mm-hmm. And her like like we said earlier becoming Carol Danvers basically. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I th- one of the reasons that I liked it so much is not just that like sh- they kind of very briefly um, 
nerd explain how she can gain like super strength mm-hmm. at the same time and how she can heal when she more like if she gets injured in one form and then morphs back to her normal form she kind of heals yeah <clears throat> um and but they but G. Willow Wilson uses it in such a unique way where she's just like, how do I save this person? I don't know. Let's just grow a giant hand and <laughs> scoop her off the bottom of the of the river. Like it's <laughs> okay. it, it, and it works it, and it works. And it's um, I all I'm always really, really intrigued by the um, when writers and artists can can use abilities in ways that are that throw my expectations mm. um and hers really really throws my expectations and i really like that you were going to show us something oh like- just i think one of the other like kind of lovely very generational but also lovely defining characteristics of kamala khan is that she is a huge super fan yeah. like when the terrigen mists come and like she she basically passes out and she's really obsessed with Captain Marvel, right, with Carol Danvers. Mm. She, she kind of wakes up and has a vision of like Iron Man and Carol Danvers, but they're appearing to her like prophets. And mm. like, it, it, and it's it's great because it's. it's Speaking in Urdu. It's, yeah. <laughs> like. um, and so in, in issues six and seven, which were not included in the trade we read, but I will mention them because they're delightful and almost worth, like, if you are unconvinced by all of our raving and need to just get two issues and to see if it's your style i mean you should get the first issue because it's brilliant but also issues six and seven uh where she meets up and has a wacky hijinks with wolverine (laughs) but like here's the here's their their conversation you're wolverine Oh my God, says Wolverine. She says, my Wolverine and Storm fanfic was the third most upvoted story on freaking awesome last uh, month. I had you guys fighting this giant alien that blob that farts wormhole. Sounds great, kid. Wait, what was the most upvoted story? Um, Cyclops and Emma Frost's romantic vacation in Paris? This is the worst day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate G. Willow Wilson as a writer because um, so she writes across a wide variety of genres um, yeah. meaning like comics, fiction, nonfiction. Um, her fiction YA book, Ale of the Unseen, recently got a lot of positive press. Heard really good things about that book. And um, she's also written a memoir about her own conversion to Islam and experiences living in Cairo called The Butterfly Mosque, um, which I haven't read yet, but it's apparently really awesome. And uh, aside from Ms. Marvel, some of her previous comics work, she did a great like magical realist story set in Cairo called Cairo, um, which I think was Dark Horse put that out. I don't know. I highly recommend it. I've heard of that. She's done a lot. It's really good. It's, it's, it's clever and it does smart things with the art. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the one thing that I really enjoyed with this is going in, I, the whole thing is, okay, you have a Muslim superhero, right? So I thought it was going to be heavy handed with the Muslim and how we should accept them and everything like that. And it was it was pretty much going to beat you over the head with... That sounds very we and them, though. And the thing is, they yeah. is us, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's the, that's the thing is like, well, let them know that they're not as different as we are. And the and, and, in, from, the, and in the hands of a, a, um, a less subtle writer, that could have very easily yeah. happened here. Yeah, it could have. It, it could really have come, could have. It could have come across much more, you know, we and them. Yeah, so which which it didn't. It was very inclusive, and it, it showed you that the world is it's gray. It's not black and white, and you have choices. You can wear you can wear a headscarf if you want, or you can't. What your sister does, yeah, and she doesn't. You can you can you know uh, pray and dress up in in the Muslim guard, or you you could be a bank uh, executive. And I like you know? I like ahead. that she still deals with like modest dress she realizes mm. she actually doesn't necessarily want to be wearing the carol danvers like no pants costume and also <laughs> that the heels are really uncomfortable yeah <laughs> and that under superhero costumes they don't wear underwear <laughs> <laughs> it's like well yeah no panty lines i, uh, I get it okay. okay and i enjoy i enjoy the fact um stepping away from kamala khan and her family for a second i enjoy the fact that um the the supporting characters are not extreme uh in, in any particular way either even even her antagonist high school student you know the the concern troll concern troll and like even the people at the party who supposedly make fun of her for um the way that her you know for her upbringing 
they're not they're not they're not making fun of her because of her quote unquote religion specifically they're making fun of her because she, because her family life prevents her from taking part in some of the tradition the typical like you know rebellious traditions of teenagers yeah um so it's not like it's not like this thing where they're like it's pretty much just the concern troll that's like outwardly yeah uh, uh, like antagonistic to her because of her religion which is funny because uh, and it's smart honestly because it's an illustration of the folk that are like oh you must be oppressed because you're muslim and female mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> Exactly. Interestingly, like when I first started getting into G. Willow Wilson's writing, um, simultaneously one of my close friends was in the middle of converting to Islam, and uh, wow. which was really interesting. And in we have have had discussions about the Butterfly Mosque and some other stuff. Um, but I I I love Kamala Khan's character because she, she's. She's so she's so human. She, like I say, I think she is the best Peter Parker, and she's this generation's yeah. Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. What about Miles Morales? <laughs> <sighs> he didn't have a brilliant a writer behind him, eh? Maybe well, was it Bendis? Bendis, Bendis started it. it. Bendis is Bendis. good. And, was, and, yeah. I Miles actually Morales haven't read fine. his comics, so I can't even say shit. I, I've read a couple issues, and it's it's re- it's really good. It's, okay, um, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> just didn't have the like. But I don't think I think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to come across when I say this, but um, I think America, specifically American culture, is more, um, at least right now in this point in our history, uh, when this came out, was more directly antagonistic toward the Muslim culture, and so <laughs> when this came out. I, and uh, and I think, well, and I, ah, I, you know what I mean. It's it's yeah. more publicly, directly antagonistic. So when you see a character like this that is from a culture that our our you know the the royal our culture is is has those kind of crazy misconceptions about and mm-hmm. has maybe even worse historical media representation, especially in yeah. Um, post comics code comics yeah yeah and um, what do i mean i mean like post-war some some there were some uh heroes of color like way 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 early like pre-comics code sort of 30s right. 40s back when there were also like sandra of the secret service and ma red tornado and mm-hmm. all of that stuff that were there but then there was this sort of like period of sadness and <laughs> and like just uh stereotypical yeah which which happened again right after you know in the years following 9-11 we descended into this hyper patriotism that um that infused so much of the media that that we consume even even fiction and stuff especially from the big two um and that that is only just now starting to be rebelled against what was that horrible frank miller book Holy uh, terror! Holy terror! Yeah, uh, the one that yeah. the one that you prevented us from burning, you motherfucker. I, do, do, uh, <laughs> hey, no, I'm not going to do four, Fahrenheit 451 here. You know, so th- <laughs> if, if it's bad, it needs to be around to remind us what badness is. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. So, and and going for a soccer, blah, blah, Red Lark Kiplick, um, going full circle with this, with Miles Morales, he was a little bit different, right? And But I didn't have the same feeling with Miles as with Kamala, because um, Miles is more of the same, right? His his culture is not that much different. It's just his skin color, right? We're, we're Kamala. Yeah. yeah. And, and they he- don't write his, the, his culture is... At least from what I've read. Now, listeners might disagree with me because, like I said, I haven't read a lot of Miles Morales' books. But to the best of my knowledge, from what I've seen, his culture isn't as huge a part of his story no. as um, as Kamala Khan's is. Like, this book centers around her family life, which makes yeah. her culture such a central, integral yep. part of her story. Whereas... Mm-hmm. Miles Morales, it's cool that he is Hispanic and black, and, yeah. but he's still just a kid who got superpowers and decided mm-hmm. to take over when Peter Parker got killed, and it was like, and now he's Spider-Man in Spider-Man's universe. And um, maybe that's the difference: is that he's stepping into already 
Well, she's stepping into already established shoes, but in Except, such a different way. Right. Yeah. It's in a different way because she's the only the only way that she is Miss Marvel. And, and, and that's what, one of the things that I love about the way this book is written. Her powers are so completely different from Miss Marvel's mm-hmm. powers. And the only reason that she is taking over the Miss Marvel mantle is because of an accidental transformation into yep. Miss Marvel the first time she publicly helped somebody. Yep. Yep. Right? She... She idolizes Miss Marvel, accidentally stepped into those shoes, and then decided to be like, you know what? I love Miss Marvel. I'm going to be the next Miss Marvel, but in my own way. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, whereas Miles Morales was definitely a, I am going to be Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. Right? I'm, it's not, I'm not going to do anything. I'm still, I still spider. got spider powers. I still got bitten by a spider. I'm going to be Spider Man. Yeah. Um, which is not a bad thing. Like, no. but it's just very, it's wildly it's a different. different story. Yeah. And I think, um, Kamala Khan's story is more topical right mm. now. Like the way that they hand they handle it is more. Um, uh, it, it's it's as many things we talk about more of the time. Mm. Um, and I mean, there's there's some stuff that is going to date this book in yeah. 15 years because there's a. I mean, there's an adorable amount of generationally relevant stuff in yes. terms of like so. This, she talks about social media a lot. She takes a fucking selfie with Wolverine, which is yeah. on the cover Fanfic. of Issue 7. I love it forever. Uh, it's skadoosh. Skadoosh is... Oh, God, that was so good. Like, picks up a card. Skadoosh! And throws it. That's so yeah. good. I feel like she she has that, like, sort of brilliant... Like, to an extent, the weird shit she does is exactly the weird shit I would do if I got superpowers <laughs> tomorrow in terms yeah. of, like... Like, sometimes she's kind of infantile, but in the best possible way. Mm. Yeah. I agree. So let's talk about the art a little bit. All right. Adrian Alfona's art, uh, f- for those of you who, like my my previous exposure to Adrian Alfona was Runaways, which we also did on the show. Um, Runaways is, is one of my favorite, I guess you would call it a YA comic or an all ages comic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's um, YA, YA um, middle grade. <laughs> no, um, middle grade is younger. I know. Um, <laughs> His art in this is a lot looser, I think, than his art from Runaways. Runaways, he was very clean lines, very... um, He didn't do a lot of... Uh, goofy characterizations like for and the the example that I'm going to use is is actually uh, Kamala Khan's father who is um, hyper stylized yeah. right like very he's cartoonish he's very cartoonish with the giant jowls and the you know the the big body and occasionally they show him like interacting with her and and you know he's got these very disproportionately large hands and um that i think that happens a lot with uh the character the characters the way they're portrayed in this or he's he's got a cartoonier style than he did in yeah. in mm-hmm. uh runaways there's more exaggerated bodies which i think lends itself really well to her superpower yeah because now you've come up with this kind of, you've you when you infuse the book initially with this kind of um, over the top cartoony style. Now, when she does these uh, crazy things with her polymorph ability, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem out of place to make it goofy. Does yeah. that make sense? Like I the giant it, hand is like okay, it just fits, and your brain goes along with it, and you don't have a moment of well, whoa, that's not what a giant hand would look like. And you know, so yeah, if it were if it were drawn more. Re, I guess hyper realistically or more cleanly or what or more like, nah. yeah, I guess it wouldn't saying. make sense. Um, I really, really enjoy not just so. I'm going to talk for a minute about what I don't like. Why I don't like the fact that I like his overall style. I think the line work in the book is is not really to my liking it's a little bit more because it's a little sketchier it's a little sketchier it's not as clean as his as his stuff from runaways and i feel like i feel like i want something in between i want the cartoony stylization of the characters and the care and the the figure Mm. construction with the clean lines of the original of his runaways art that being said um i i love not just his the cartoony style but the way he like I don't know how I, my words are failing me. His character poses and the things that he does, like my one of my favorite 
two of my favorite moments in the book. The first one was when she's having the vision and yes. she's talking to the the uh, f- the Avengers vision and she steps into the pose where she's talking about um, what she would do. And she's like, yeah, but yeah, I would yeah. do the classic politically incorrect costume with the giant heels. And she's, and, heels. and she's in this like... She does this pose with her hands up in this like kind of karate thing, and it's, it's really funny looking and really awesome. And then the part later on when she's trying, she she does the Spider Man the movie thing, right, where she's trying to make her powers work and can't do it, and she's got this like this this you know super heroic fists up kind of pose, and it's just it's so charming. It is, and it's in in the best possible way. Um, I. I wish the art were a little cleaner and I could go, I could kind of go, I could kind of take or leave the coloring style. That's fair. The the kind of pastel, slightly washed out kind of watercolor. It's watercolor. It's not pastel. Yeah. Okay. Kind of watercolory painterly, painterly style is, it's okay. I, it works. I think it's it not grounds the book in realism. Mm. Maybe. In a way. I could see that. Um, but. Yeah. I, I, I take it or leave. I could take or leave the coloring, um, but I mean, I've blabbered on about the art. What do you guys think yeah. of the art? I I think it totally works, um, especially like you say, just this, the the um, the ability to like occasionally there's sort of like almost a chibi moment, but it's yeah. it's yeah, not yeah. it's not overdone. Like um, this one, I just passed when uh with the the face on the like when the yeah. the jock guy loses his girlfriend in the river and is he's got this like almost derp. chibi derp face. Yeah, the one the one and only negative thing I have to say about the entire book because I love this and if it's my number one comic of the last year, but I hate the font they chose for the. Page. The logo? No, no. I love the logo itself. I hate the font they have on the page where it summarizes the story. Really? Because it's hard to read. Like Seriously? inner typographer has like the one nitpick. I That's need to, it. I need to look because wow. I've. Let me see. You are getting deep industry now when you're <laughs> niggling about <laughs> font. Oh, you know, it really is. It's hard to read. Okay. It's and I like can, tall, I can, skinny letters, and the stylization makes it so that that's like right, right, it's it, really hard to differentiate. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Here, I'll break it down. It is, uh, it is all caps. X, like it's all caps, except that some of the characters are lowercase, like the A's, R's, and, and the E's. E's. Yeah. Um, and that makes it hard to read, which is completely it's, ridiculous you know, uh, as a as you a know. And, and but that's it. <laughs> the only reason that I didn't notice that is because I skipped those pages when I read books. I never there look you go. at the. I that's never. Why it's the least consequential thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I I think the only re- the only summary pages that I've ever read purposely read were the ones from Sex Criminals because they're so goofball. <laughs> they're so funny. Um, but uh, I don't know. I. I think if we're going to step into buy, borrow, burn, it's an instant buy for me. Wait, hold on a second. Let what? me talk You've about the art. You've got more. Yeah, I, I got to talk about the art. So <laughs> I like, just real quick then. No, it's fine. I, Go ahead. I've talked talk about the, what you want to talk I about. I like the fine lines. Okay. I, it look really look familiar. I like the fact that um, not everything is black lined. So yeah. he use he uses whites and, and like the hair is colored with browns and whatnot. So I, I really like this, the, the art and I was trying to figure out where I've seen it before until you brought up that he wrote Runaways too, and I could it's see, yeah. yeah, the the watercolor, the the coloring, and the line art is very similar. Though this is a little bit, he's a lot freer with this because right. he's able to, you know, make hands bigger and whatnot. Though when I first saw the the opening scene or the credits with Kamala with a, a big hand. I was like, oh, okay, we've got big-handed Miss Marvel. That's her superpower. <laughs> just one hand, one hand yeah, big. Yeah, right. just one hand big. I was like, okay. The but, right hand of doom. And I want I want a, um, I want an action figure of the hedgehog with the holding up the, the two fingers. <laughs> when, that's the one thing. I don't know why my hand, my eyes always go to that. Was you have you have Captain America, Iron Man, and Miss Marvel, and she's doing her hallucination, and then there's this hedgehog <laughs> just throwing up the peace sign. Throwing up peace sign with a yeah. green hand. What is, is that? An actual character from something? It's, you never know, because like later on, like Lockjaw shows up in this series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was from her fanfic. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it, that she was repurposing these characters from the fanfic because they had killed uh, Rainbow Toots. Oh yeah, <laughs> Rainbow <laughs> Toots. Yeah. Anyway, so I liked it. There's so much good about this book. Um, It is, without question, 
my favorite Marvel book of the last five years, probably. Mm. Um, it's wildly different from the things they normally do. Yeah. Um, and even <clears throat> taking into consideration books that are that uh, that straddle that comedic line like Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, it's still it still just is the most one of the most relatable characters that I have ever read from Marvel. Mm. And um and that is that is something that like to bring up the whole diversity thing and when people talk about like you know n- you know when white assholes talk about not being able to relate to col- <laughs> to to colored uh, characters to of color brown characters <laughs> white I'm trying to think I'm <laughs> <laughs> we don't use colored anymore. So. I know. I was okay. trying desperately not to say that. And I was like, um, I, it's 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 a load of shit because like uh, the thing that made this book interesting on multiple levels to me was was the character and her culture and how she was dealing with the superpowers that she was getting and um, it all comes together into one fantastic package that that I'm going to I'm going to voice a concern. Mm-hmm. The day that G Willow Wilson is not writing this character anymore, this comic book I dies. worry for how another Marvel writer is going to handle Kamala Khan. Here's a hope. There will be more female Muslim Marvel writers by the time or G Willow or Muslim in general, yeah. right? You know, or women of color even. Yes. <laughs> uh that is a hope. Wow. Yeah. But I am one I really hope that this book goes for a long time. Like I hope that yeah. I hope that G Willow Wilson gets to have a run like Brew Baker on Captain America. I think she signed exclusively with Marvel. Yeah, I I that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah. The smart thing for her to do would have been to be like I want to protect this character for 5 6 7 years. Yeah. Please I will sign exclusively to you if you let me make no, I sure No, she did. That happened a few weeks back. She was. She went to their whatever yearly retreat of yeah Mount Doom, whatever they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> their writers retreat. Yeah, that mm. one. Because I do worry that another writer will not be able to handle the cultural aspects of this book as elegantly as Chiwila Wilson does. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in any case, it's an instant buy for me. This is this is probably the first Marvel book in a long time that I would just say buy it. It's awesome. Um, I'm really looking forward to how they build the universe around her for her instead of uh, trying to shoehorn her into yeah. other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, instant buy. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the reason why the first issue is not on the table right now is because I bought it. I got so excited about it that I gave it away to somebody else. who was like, you have to read this. You have to read this now. <laughs> uh uh, and I'm going to rebuy the first issue, and I'm going to rebuy or buy the trade so that I can actually lend it lend it to people. Um, yeah, the, the the one of the kind of more subtle, beautiful aspects about this book is the last few comic cons I've been to. There have been some really adorable Miss Marvel cosplays. You see little brown girls, yeah, dressed as Miss Marvel, and it is the happiest thing in mm-hmm. my heart. It's uh, really cool. Yeah, buy the buy the shit out of it. Woo. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I would buy it. Yeah, the, the the way that everything was handled with this book, it's crafted well, it's written well. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it. Just, it's a fully realized world, and uh, you'll enjoy the story. And it's not heavy-handed either. It doesn't get preachy. Yep. You know, it just it's just a story of a girl who gets superpowers, and her experience is a little bit different, but yet more it's the same too so yeah yeah, i'd buy it it is a perfect opportunity for people like me to step outside what they already know all right so there is one thing that i wanted to mention that has absolutely nothing to do with the actual construction of miss marvel the comic and it has everything to do with the the comiXology app and the comiXology version of this book um so the the first trade consists of the first five issues of Miss Marvel and a, I think, eight-page or nine-page short story that was in Marvel, all-new Marvel Now Point One, um, which was an anthology book. And in the paper trade, it is, it's just an eight-page story, 
and it's all about her fighting a junk monster in a in a uh, in a junkyard. <laughs> yeah. And it is actually that's where the skadoosh comes from. Um, <laughs> like she and she's late for a Mendy a Mendy, which is pre-wedding a pre-wedding party. party. And so the whole thing is about her like fighting the monster and then having to bail to go do stuff with her family. And there's so many problems with the digital version. Uh, in the comic, it's just like I said, it's just an eight-page story. It's kind of cool, and it ends with her going to the going to the Mendy and um, you know having to get dressed up. And she says she's she smells like she wrestled wrestled with a leaky can of tuna on a couch full of cat pee, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is one of the best lines. But when they did it for the so when you when we read the digital version in the Comicsology app. That storyline was turned into a Marvel, what do they call it, Marvel Infinity yeah. thing where they force you into guided view to be able to read it. So it goes panel by panel. And there are certain sections where it's like a three-panel chunk, which is half a page, and they will show the first panel in color and then the next panel's in black and white and then they color them in as you go. And there's certain panels that you start the panel and there's no text bubbles and then you move to the next one and the text bubbles appear. And to whomever designed the Marvel Infinity version, for me, it actually ruins the experience yep. of reading that story. It's yep. a nice thought, but frankly, web comics is way ahead of you in terms of cool yes. stuff that you can do with yeah. an internet browser and comics. And I would be really, I would be totally happy if they had designed a short story from scratch to be part of this thing that they did yes. it from <laughs> scratch. But, but I. I don't know if this is true or not, but my my feeling is that the creators of this comic didn't have much, if any, say in how that story was presented as a Marvel Infinity I'm thing. That feeling too. That yep. somebody at Marvel was like, "Oh, we're going to turn this into a Marvel Infinity thing." And it's some difficult. Random, Let's only do half of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really gra- uh, jackass designer was like, "Oh, let's do this crazy stuff. Look what I can do with this Photoshop and brr. with great um, power." <laughs> yeah, um, and then. And then, like you just said, it just stops halfway through. You don't get the whole bit where she like has a real discussion with her mom and yeah. says stuff like, how am I supposposed to confide in you if you freak out whenever I color outside the lines, yes. even a tiny bit? Mm. The entire purpose of that story was to show her, it, it was the, the Spider-Man thing, to show her that she has a life that conflicts with her super, superhero abilities. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to see that because in the Marvel Infinity version, it just stops it just right ends. when she, she stops her fight and it shows her like running to to get to where she's, to the Mendy she needs to be at and it just stops. And, it, and that's what totally caught me mm-hmm. off guard was I was like, it just ends. Bizarre. Yeah. What what what, where, what was the point of this? Like it's not the worst directorial decision, but it's pretty much like showing up half of a story and then not showing the other half. Yeah. Yep. That's literally exactly what it is. Like yeah. Mockingjay part one and part two. Yeah. <laughs> Something the, like that. The yes. Hobbit three part no. one and part four. No. And <laughs> which, which God is, damn it. Which is funny, which is funny because when I read Captain Marvel, I only read half of the last story too. <laughs> Did, so that was that not Marvel's jarring? fault. You know, and it, and it left me... No, it wasn't Marvel's fault because when I read Captain Marvel, I, I felt had this wanting feeling too. It's like, well, that's just it. It on it ended. And it was my fault for Captain Marvel. For Miss Marvel, it was Marvel's fault. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Just for the digital version. Ironic. Just yeah. for the digital the version. The moral of the story is buy the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then lend it to I'm people. really looking yes. forward. I hope they do like a 10, 10 or 12 issue hardcover trade of this because I oh, would this be is something that I would buy in, in their hardcover versions, even though Marvel is wildly inconsistent with how they do their hardcovers. <laughs> Um, it does have Wolverine, so it almost guarantees it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So for the next few episodes of the show, uh, we're coming up on one of Joel's favorites. Where Black Science is our next episode for 85. Yeah. Uh, and then Andy's suggestion of Orc Stain we're finally going to do for episode yeah. 86. Uh, it's a James Stokoe book. Uh, the Wicked and the Divine will be episode 87. Um, Batman Ooh. the Long Halloween will be episode 88, which I actually... Um, 
my comic shop had a huge year-end sale. They always nice. do a year-end sale. And their their year-end sale this year was geared specifically toward uh, pushing volume. So they had uh, back issues. Everything was a graduated scale. So back issues were like you buy a certain number, you get a certain discount off of it. And if you, if you bought over 100 back issues, you got 80% off. Oh um, so there was actually a person that they were talking about that came in and spent like six or seven hours going through back issues and walked out with like a full long box of back issues, you know, Dang. for like for for tw- less than twenty percent of the price, um, and then but but the sale they had was uh, their trade sale um, was uh, you buy two tra- it was like two trades would get you five percent off, and then for every trade you added, you'd get an extra five percent off up to a total of fifty percent. So if you had ten trades, you'd get fifty percent off, mm. and that's what I did. I bought. We bought a bunch of hardcover stuff. I managed to get the Miss Marvel trade for fifty percent off, and I got the Batman Noir version of the Long Halloween, nice. which is their black and white, uh, okay. the black and white Whoa. version. And I'm really looking forward to reading that for the show. Sorry, that was a long digression for something so short. Anyway, after we do the Long Halloween, we're doing the Massive, and then it comes up on our next long read episode, which is episode ninety, which is Lucifer, which we talked Ooh. about earlier. Um, Lucy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait till you read Wicked and the Divine. <laughs> <laughs> that face was amazing, by the way. <laughs> oh, awesome. uh, it's only for the premium users, though. They, yes. They're the only ones who get to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this has been Miss Marvel. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you can do so by emailing us questions and comments to tradesecretsgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash uh, facebook.com slash groups slash trade secrets podcast uh, as both Nick Lindsay and Aaron Coker did for this episode and uh, I think we addressed all of their little short comments I know that oh we didn't talk about the burkini uh, oh. which which is which I found out like I knew it was a real thing but what I found out is that it's a fairly recent new thing there was that uh, woman who competed in the Olympics in one and yeah so Oh. The burkini is actually a trademarked name for a product that is basically a um, a swimsuit that incorporates a, a burqa hood style thing so that Muslim women can still go swimming. Who wear burqa level clothing. Right. And still maintain the, the modesty that they are. Um, mm. That is... There's different modesty rules depending on... Which I think yeah. Ms. Marvel does a great job of showing, for sure. example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so, but yeah, it's an actual thing, and it's a. Um, it's not just. It wasn't just like a. I, I when when Aaron mentioned it, I think it was Aaron that mentioned it on the site, and when he mentioned it, I was. It didn't even really register to me because when I was reading the comic, I thought it was just kind of a, a funny aside. But then I, when I looked it up, I'm like, oh no, this is a product. <laughs> oh, you didn't realize that was a real thing. You thought that was like a well, like Coma Chameleon brand I, sleepwear, kind of. Yeah, and then I and I'm like, it's it's it kind of neat it's it's cool um but yeah they both hit us up on our our facebook page uh if you want to hit us up on twitter as well it's twitter our twitter group god damn i can't fucking talk at trade secrets pod thank you i am at nbean tweets i am at superfly i am at geekily you almost said geekily didn't you (laughs) uh any one of those places we will uh, we can address questions and comments on the show, and we love hearing from fans. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Aaron, for hitting us up on our Facebook group. Hopefully, we answered your questions for you. Uh, like I said, the next issue is going to be Rick Remender and Mateo Scalera's Black Science. Science! And uh, that will be in two weeks. This has been episode 84 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, all about Miss Marvel. Go buy it. We're out. Work is never over. Working harder, making better, doing faster, makes us stronger.